0: Oh, hello hello uh, welcome to kernels of truth brought to you by progress kentucky we have got a very big episode for you today first we're going to cover the news of the week after this weekend's kentucky supreme court ruling is governor Bashir going to be able to keep our commonwealth safe through this horrible pandemic uh, we'll discuss afghanistan with mitch and rand both claiming victory uh, while president biden is blamed for botched withdrawal Kimberly will be bringing some updates uh, from the front lines as her daughter shares her boots on the ground perspective uh, and we will cover the shameless ability of federal Republicans to tout programs funded by a bill they unanimously voted against uh, in a segment we call Mitchpocrisy. Then we're going to be joined by Charles Booker. That's right, the leading candidate to take on Rand Paul in 440 days We're going to hear his vision for our Commonwealth, what he thinks about Rand Paul's COVID lies and misinformation, uh, what his strategy would be to support President Biden's agenda in the face of Mitch McConnell's filibuster-based opposition, and really whatever else he wants to share with the kernels of truth, all before we wrap up with our action events calendar. So first off, though, are you ready to help turn Kentucky purple? We know our Commonwealth has some work to do if we're going to beat back the tide of bad policy. From partisan gerrymandering to blocking our governor's ability to keep the state safe during a pandemic. If you want a Commonwealth that works for all of us, join Progress Kentucky. It's easy. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you spend your time on social media. Just make sure to like and share and comment on our content. And if you like what you're hearing on Kernels of Truth, give us a thumbs up, leave us a review, or share out the show. But maybe you're looking to get even more involved. Uh, hit up our volunteer link, send us your information so we can get your help for one of our organizing projects because democracy is not a spectator sport, folks. Uh, we need you out of the stands and onto the field. Maybe you're not ready to hit the streets or the phones. You can still support our efforts with a financial investment. We have got a goal of raising $1,500 for our current organizing project, and we are still less than 20% of the way there. So please consider making a donation right now. Go hit us up on ActBlue. Make a donation to support our campaign to turn Kentucky purple uh, at our secure ActBlue website. So uh, let's check in with our co-host, shall we? Uh, Let us know who you are, where you are, and what does your protest sign say today? You there, viewers on the internet, we mean you too. Uh, Remember, this is not a Talking Heads news show. This is not MSNBC. This is a digital demonstration for a more compassionate commonwealth. So we have got a protest sign. What's your sign say? Mine says, Dr. Paul does not deserve... A Kentucky Medical License. My name is Aaron. Uh, I am uh, coming to you from Childsburg, a lovely deed restricted restricted community in the outskirts of Lexington.
1: Uh, Doug, Doug, are you there? Yes, I'm here. I'm, I'm Doug Price from Harrison County, Kentucky, the home of E.D. Bullard, a leading manufacturer of high-quality personal protective equipment and other things. Uh, my sign says, and it's directed to the Kentucky Republican legislators. Put up or shut up.
0: Nice. Kimberly.
2: Hello, everyone. I'm Kimberly Cecil Jones and I'm coming to you from my living room in Louisville, Kentucky, home of the Kentucky Derby, right? And my protest sign says today that I was just going to let everybody else kind of win today because for two weeks in a row, I came out with a sign that will beat people every time. Every time. We love Dr. Fauci because he's giving us the true and the correct information about the coronavirus. So my sign says today, personally, okay, that we love Dr. Fauci and keep listening to him. Thank you, Aaron.
0: Thank you, Kimberly. And thank you, Doug. Uh, We do love Dr. Fauci. I mean, I don't know him personally, but I feel like I've spent enough time with him through his interviews over the course of this 20th year of our ep- epidemic and pandemic uh, i feel like i know him pretty pretty well uh, we've got some signs in the uh chat nate or shan if you might you might be familiar with nate Orshan, if you've heard the music uh our lead-in music his says says his sign says hood to the holler 2022 uh and annabelle just says we've stepped up our sign game so uh that's you know appreciate the kudos. We're taking the time we got the markers we're writing it out uh and ken ken behind the boards what have you got for us
3: i i have a uh you know we we've all been uh worried and uh you know about what's going on in afghanistan and and i feel like i've been really uh consistent on this for the last 20 years uh my sign is war what is it good for uh I, I believe that you probably have heard this song, and I believe the response is
0: absolutely nothing. Clearly, that songwriter was not a defense contractor. Uh, all right, so oh, we. Aaron,
2: hold on, hold on. I, I, I can't help myself. I okay. always think in songs. I promise I do. The song is actually by the group called War, um, who also sung "Why Can't We Be Friends." And yeah, it was like war. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing, nothing. I just had to do that, you know, I'm sorry. Nate would appreciate what I'm doing. He would appreciate it.
0: I'm I'm sure he would uh, say it again, he says. All right, so let's go from our signs. Lovely job of the protest signs, everybody. Uh, to news of the week, we've got a few stories we're going to get into, and Doug is
1: going to kick us off. Uh, yes, I titled this "Good versus Evil." So much drama. Governor Beshear is trying to do what is best for our Commonwealth, and the Republican legislative leadership and other Republican officeholders are attempting to stop him in his tracks every step of the way. When Governor Beshear announced, announced new mask requirements, you knew that AG Cameron would file suit against the requirement and the Republican leadership would immediately accuse the governor of not following the law. Most times the legislators point to the fact that the people of Kentucky elected them to enact the laws that they support, failing to mention that Governor Bashir was elected by the people to act as a CEO of the Commonwealth. The suit was filed against the current measures and the Kentucky Supreme Court ruled that under the law the governor did not have the powers to mandate mask. Note that the law was changed this past general session, since the Republican legislators did not agree with the governor being able to call an emergency. One would think that a body that can only meet once a year for a specified time would want the CEO to be able to address emergencies. While this is going on, the Kentucky Department of Education, which is not a part of the executive branch of government, met and adopted a mask mandate. At that time, the Republican leadership placed the matter before the court system. To excuse me, replace the matter before the administrative review committee ostensibly to discuss the governor's mask mandate. I believe the KBA KBE emergency order is not subject to overrule by the legislators and is not covered under the new law passed in order to limit the powers of the governor. KDE does not report to the governor, nor do they report to the legislature, or at least until the legislature tries to pass legislation that the legislators control everything. So what happens going forward? Something of an impasse due to the fact that currently the legislature can only meet in general session, which is once a year, or in a special session that must be called by the governor. The special session can only address what the governor calls for them to address and can only meet the number of days as specified by the governor. The last estimate of the cost was about $68,000 a day. An interesting comment from Winston Griffin, chairman of the Kentucky Chamber of Commerce. The chamber recognizes the importance of masking in schools at this time, because masking not only keeps our children and teachers safe, but also because of its impact on the workforce. We learned last year that when a student gets exposed to the virus and needs to quarantine, this has an impact on the work life of parents. Masking can help mitigate these issues and keep us all safer. But the best way to keep us safe and keep our economy going is for all Kentuckians to get vaccinated. The chamber is a strong supporter of Republicans, so this certainly will be a factor going forward. Senate President Stivers said it is too early to say a special session on the COVID response could be called. However, he says if lawmakers are called, they already have a folder prepared of response items, but he won't say what is in there specifically though. He did suggest the legislature may have to take action on emergency certifications for out-of-state healthcare providers, adding non-traditional instruction days for K through 12 schools, and finding ways to incentivize people into taking COVID-19 shots. During the last general session, the Republican-led legislature limited the number of NTI days. This was a direct effort to keep schools from closing due to the pandemic. This law is now coming back to haunt the Republicans who now are seeing schools closed due to COVID, while at the same time, not wanting masks to be worn by school students. In my opinion, they are trying to appease their base and have created a serious problem for the people of the Commonwealth and for their party. Bashir said at his late Monday afternoon news conference that he considers valid the State Board of Education Emergency Regulation and that will remain in effect as well uh, until I guess somebody takes that to court. In a news conference yesterday, Senator Stivers indicated a willingness to work with the governor. Have they realized to do nothing is wrong? Yesterday, Stivers announced a new effort to get people to take the vaccine, but stood hard on the line. Hey guys, this is just a suggestion, not a mandate. And he announced a total cure for all things related to our COVID-19 pandemic, pizza rolls, or excuse me, coupons for pizza rolls. Way to go, Stivers. The bottom line, Republican legislators seem to be centered on disrupting anything the governor proposes and so far have failed to produce anything substantive. So as my sign says, the Republicans need to put up or shut up. Back to you, Aaron.
0: Uh, thanks so much, Doug. Yeah. So, do we have any detail on the the pizza roll coupons? Are these Genos? Are they Totinos? Are they pepperoni? Perhaps because you know, I think that you know the right the right uh, pizza roll could absolutely get somebody to finally get off the dime and get the vaccine that's been free and widely available for how many months now? Six, eight months now. Pizza rolls. That's that's the kind of brilliant policy suggestions, we can turn to the Kentucky GOP for pizza rolls. Meanwhile, the numbers keep climbing, right? Today, new cases, uh, nearly 5,000 new cases, the third highest total for the entire pandemic, 1,500 of which are kids 18 and under. Uh, There were 65 new deaths reported today, uh, and the positivity rate is over 13 percent. You know the breakthrough infections are absolutely happening. Thankfully, it's keeping you know people by and large out of the hospital because the hospital is full of people who are just having regular infections. They're not breakthrough infections because these people have not been vaccinated. Uh, so yeah, probably, you know maybe it's the choice between you know being intubated uh, and going to the ICU uh, or a you know or a pizza roll. <laughs> Maybe, you know, maybe that's that's the choice that they need to be confronted with. But it, it's it's just so outrageous to me that, you know, the Republicans cried and whined and wanted to, you know, have a role in it. And it's OK. You now have a role because you've you know gained the system through your hyper majority uh, in Frankfurt. What's your plan? Oh, it's pizza rolls. I don't know. Uh, Ken, what's your take on it? Pizza rolls. Uh,
3: the the uh, covid uh, looks kind of like a pizza roll. Um, but I, I honestly, I don't have much to say. I mean, we, we talk about this content, uh, this stuff every week and, and, you know, we, our content gets taken down because we cover Rand Paul and, and his misinformation takes our content down. Uh, all I want to know is what, why isn't the goal to stop the COVID spread and save lives? Uh, where, how, how does take, where, where does freedom, like how, how are they going to take our freedom by like saving us from this deadly disease? I I don't see the mixture
0: between freedom and COVID. Well, that's because you're spelling freedom wrong. And you've forgotten the D U M B part of freedom. You know, the idea that here we are and we have, you know, politicized a pandemic to the degree that it's, it's part of our culture war, like a mask, a simple thing you can do to love your neighbor, you know, take care of your neighbor, help keep your kids safe, uh, you know, the folks who can't get vaccinated uh, is, is, is part of politics and owning the libs. It is just the most outrageous and ridiculous thing. And the fact that Rand Paul is leaning into it as part of his reelection strategy is just, uh, you know, the guy does not deserve his medical license. That's for sure. Uh, Kimberly you got anything on this story.
2: I always have something on these type of stories. Um, every week I continue to say the same thing as I am posting as well our show so everybody can see us. Um, What else do we expect from them? And even with something as catastrophic as the coronavirus and everything else that's going on in America and abroad, why would we ever think that they would step up to the plate and then they're going to give crumbs out as usual? I mean, it's just business as usual. How can I say repubs as usual?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Like we should not be surprised or shocked. We should not anticipate a different response because all they've got are culture wars, Fox News, uh, and just, you know, trying to make science political. Uh, You know, like I've said before, the GOP has a body count. All right, so we're going to do our second story now, news of the week. Uh, And then we are going to, we think, be joined by uh, Charles Booker uh, right at the half hour mark. So uh, look forward to that, folks. Charles Booker will be coming up shortly. But we want to touch on uh, the fact that Mitch and Rand uh, are both claiming victory in their views on Afghanistan. So Afghanistan is clearly in the news, probably the most attention being paid to Afghanistan since the first week of the Afghanistan war and invasion uh, 20 years ago. Uh, And what we are thinking is pretty amazing here is that they are both claiming victory, even though they completely disagree with one another. And that's what happens when the buck doesn't stop with a senator. You just get to shoot your mouth off and say you were right. Uh, Even though they, uh, you know, I think if Mitch had his way, we would never leave, apparently. You know, 20 years would only be the beginning, apparently, which I guess that makes sense, right? Because <laughs> to such a long-lived political animal such as Mitch, 20 years is nothing, right? It's barely half his time in the, in the U.S. Senate. Uh, and then Rand Paul is basically agreeing with Biden uh, and that it was time to get out long ago. But of course, Rand Paul's not in charge of anything except shooting his mouth off. So he doesn't get to worry about the actual logistics of pulling out of a 20 year occupation. He just gets to play, you know, uh, kind of Monday morning quarterback. Uh, But Bill Roggio, who's the senior fellow at the Nonpartisan Foundation for Defense of Democracies, was willing to go on record about these two characters uh, from a great story in the uh, Lexington Herald Leader. Uh, And he said they're both wrong. (laughs) Uh, He says, Uh, Rand Paul basically holds the same position as the Biden administration An objective viewer would say that was pretty wrong because it didn't happen the way we thought in terms of the the pullout and the uh, the handover Uh, and then Roger mentioned about McConnell saying he's wrong because the call to keep US forces there was just staving off the inevitable. Uh, They stayed on the same path. So keeping the forces without changing the way we did things wouldn't have changed the ultimate outcome. It just would have delayed it Uh, personally. Uh, And again, I'm not an expert like Bill Raggio, but uh, personally, I am increasingly skeptical uh, that there existed a good way to get out. You know, the hand that Biden was dealt um, wasn't a great one. I am fairly certain Biden agrees with Rand Paul. The time to get out was immediately post 9 11 uh, or later, you know, like after we hunted down bin Laden. But, you know, when the Taliban was dismantled, And when Al-Qaeda's terrorist network was absolutely disrupted, that was the original goal. Uh, And then it morphed, as it always does, this kind of defense contractor, military industrial complex blob just kind of took over and just got addicted to the money. Uh, And uh, the amazing amount of profits that these companies were able to generate. Uh, But, you know, Dave Roberts on Twitter, who I follow because he does a lot of really good work on clean energy, uh, DR volts. He had, I think, an important thread on Twitter talking about this. What specifically do people want Biden to do differently? Right. So Trump signed the deal with the Taliban. Uh, Biden pushed back the withdrawal date. Uh, One reason he pushed back the withdrawal date was to get more folks out. Right. That special immigrant visa process is quite cumbersome. So all these translators that the military just, you know, owe their lives to these translators that fought, you know, shoulder to shoulder with our, with our uh, Marines and our army and uh, everyone for 20 years, we promised them we would help them get out. Uh, And, you know, Stephen Miller, folks recall, uh, racist in chief, Stephen Miller, uh, made sure that that process was as dismantled and as slow as humanly possible. uh, And, you know, that was something that the Trump administration, uh, you know, handed off to Biden, which was a non-functioning SIV process. Uh, and so Biden did what he, you know, want, You know, what he knew we needed to do, which was to start that process uh, functioning again, but it is inherently a slow process. So, um, you know, uh, it's, it's really, it's really a, that's a problem that I think Biden should have done more to fix. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, we now have Stephen Miller not acknowledging this, you know, the special immigrant visa process that he screwed up. Uh, he is working with, you know, Tucker Carlson to flam the uh, fan, the flames of racist opposition to bring in our translators to the US. So the military now feel like they've been la- made liars of because so many translators have been left behind. But. I don't know if folks know this, this SIV process, the only way you can qualify it as for it as a translator for the military in Afghanistan, you have to work for the military for two years. So you have to be in the fight against the Taliban for two years, you know, making your family far more vulnerable, uh, putting yourself out there on the line uh, personally. Uh, But if you think about it, that's pretty extreme because soldiers who deploy two or three times won't spend two years on the ground in Afghanistan, right? But that was the minimum term of service for translators to hit their SIV threshold. Uh, but even then, they're slow walked or they're denied uh, outright multiple times without clear reasoning or without any explanation. It's a hugely intense vetting process, um, and you know you can't, can't really do a lot of these interviews when your embassy has fallen. So that's that's a problem. Uh, but you know the rosiest protection projection, rather, for how long the Afghan government could last was like 18 months. How many more folks would have gotten through that process in 18 more months? Probably not nearly enough, right? So despite the very fall of Saigon start to the withdrawal, they have pulled like 70,700 plus people out since August 14th. And I think that is significant. It was, you know, looked botched because it you know, was botched. And also, how in the heck do you do that better, Uh, but, uh, I think at this point they're, they're on track. I don't know if they're on track to get everyone out by August 31st. I think there's a lot of people that aren't actually kind of willingly coming people that want to stay behind. Uh, but you know, they're, they're getting a heck of a lot of folks out very quickly and have controlled the situation at the airport fairly well, uh, now, but yeah, it definitely didn't look good for a few days for sure. And, you know, again, no one saw the Afghanistan government and military falling in 11 days. Uh, so that's a, that's a pretty quick uh, uh, time to respond there. All right, uh, and I know Kimberly, you've got some good information from, for us. What, what can you add to the story?
2: Um, what I would like to add to this story, actually I have two sources. One is my daughter who is a part of the United States um, Air Force and deployed right now as we speak in Doha, Qatar. Uh, actually they say Cutter, and also having information and volunteering to go to Kabul in Afghanistan to help with evacuations. Um, then I do have another source at the Pentagon. So what I'm hearing at this particular point in time, Erin, is that uh, really no one understands exactly how this culture works. As I had stated before, it's five tribes that really should be five different countries. And the Taliban, those are, you you see the, the multitude of people that wanna get out, that have terror, but that is not the majority of the Afghans. The reason being is because the Taliban, they are Afghan's sons. This is their country, this is where they are from. And people think that President Biden is not doing enough as we speak to get people out. Yes, it is happening. I know of a situation right now, Uh, sources tell me that there was a secret mission to get American US citizens out and their families out of Kandahar, which is a hostile territory. There was an explosion on a helicopter, an IED that was met with the helicopter, but all uh, colleagues of uh, the Air Force and the Marines, they are okay, I like to report that. But we are doing everything that we possibly can. Now, when you have adversaries like China and Iran and Russia that are also helping the cause, And then also, when you're talking about the Afghan people, they are a simple people. And we came in there, as we always do, as Captain America's savior to save a country that actually did not need saving from. So when we look at this situation, and everyone wants to blame President Biden, as the UN is also saying at this particular time, they would like to investigate on humanitarian discrepancies of this administration. But I'd like to pause for one second right there and bring people back to uh, alleged President Trump when he cleared troops out of Syria. Did we forget about that already? Did we forget about the people that were left behind? Nothing that could be done. There was not even a a plan or an execution after the thought of a plan to get those people out that have helped us, that were translators. So tell me what the difference is. And when you're talking about the Afghanistan nation, you're talking about people that tend to just kind of go with the flow of what is being offered to them at that moment, almost like who has the most power. Then when we also look back on it, let's see where all the money is coming from and where the money went. This 20 years in Afghanistan, it only helped the defense companies. When you look at Wall Street, we actually stayed there and they made money while men and women died. My daughter was deployed to Afghanistan, putting her life in danger from 2019 to 2020. And even as an officer, missiles and bombs coming down. And she laughed the other day and said, it looks so funny to see them clearing out Bagram Air Base where she was stationed, but she said, well, We only had to run and evacuate what maybe about 16, 17 times. So I guess I really didn't have a very bad deployment over there. Do you know how traumatizing that has been to our women and men that serve this country that never get the respect that they are due? We as Americans have done everything that we possibly could do. A lot of these Americans that are over there, they own companies. Okay, they were alerted, they knew, and they did not want to come. The situation outside of the Kabul airport, we have no jurisdiction over that. That is Taliban country. Once you come behind those gates, if you can make it, this is where you get your cover and your protection. And also, I'd like to bring up one other thing as well and see what you guys think about this. But President Biden inherited this and it was actually called a surrender agreement. And his administration, as we have talked about before, was unwilling to give the SVIs to Afghans. So what were we supposed to do? If we remain in Afghanistan any longer, there's going to be another war. Can this country economically, morally, take another war right now? Especially when you have China and Russia and Iran committing to military exercises. And let us not forget what's going on in Iraq as well. Some of it we deserve, but most of it we don't. So I just wanna tell our viewers and listeners the truth. We as Americans, our military stands strong. Our intelligence agency stands strong. Our administration and president of the United States stands strong. We have done everything we possibly can do. But if you've never had boots on the ground and you really don't go in those particular type of circles to know the inside track, it can look catastrophic. Back to you, Aaron.
0: Uh, Thank you so much, Kimberly. Yeah, so we are going to be going to Charles Booker in in just a minute. uh, And I wanted to just give our co-host a chance to weigh in on this very important issue of the day. Ken, did you have something you wanted to say about it?
3: Yeah. Uh, the vindic- Vindication. Like, h- how can, what what are they vindicated about? Like, I don't even get it. How could anyone claim victory? I mean, Korea, Vietnam, Palest- Palestine, Palestine, uh, Lebanon, Grenada, Iraq, Afghanistan, $2 trillion of nation building in Afghanistan. And for 20 years we've been doing it wrong clearly it took them 13 days i I don't think when when the u.s military went to it afghanistan it took longer than 13 days to secure the country by far so uh, trump in february signed a deal with the the taliban saying as kimberly said to surrender Uh, but you know for me it just goes back to the beginning again and again and again bush cheney uh i met donald rumsfeld i met joe wilson different war i realize that was iraq this is afghanistan um but the private military industrial complex i feel like pushed us into this war and i feel like the president needs to be the commander in t- chief. And what Biden did is correct. I think that Obama was pressured to stay in Afghanistan. And, he, you know, he should have left when he when he tried what happened in Iraq very shortly after the U.S. pull out. They had to fight back for all that territory. Uh, you know, in, in Afghanistan, it fell even quicker and nobody was expecting that. Uh, so I, I don't think there was a failure of anything except for us being there. And I think that Biden did the right thing.
0: Yeah. And I think, again, Biden's been incredibly consistent through his career, right? He wanted to get out when he was the vice president. Uh, He just didn't have the chance to do it. Um, He wasn't the decider in chief at that point. Uh, Ken, anything you wanted to add before we move on to Charles Booker?
3: That was me. I just said that.
0: That was me. Yep, yeah, sorry. Uh I
3: can, <laughs> I, say I mean this, Doug.
2: Aaron, but if if I can, I mean no Doug. There was no other choice. There was no other other choice. An agreement was signed by previous administration, so it's like you inherit that. You know, you inherit that. So I don't think, I'll,
0: to- be, I'll be, you know, I think some people have said that. And I'm like, we want to blame Trump. That's our inherent bias is we want to blame Trump. And it's really easy because he screwed up pretty much everything. But I don't know that Trump and Biden, you know, actually disagreed about that process of signing off to say, hey, we're getting out. Um, I think they mm-hmm. probably would have done it differently. I think that, you know, Biden would have included the actual Afghanistan government in that agreement and forced the Taliban to kind of concede and acknowledge that. But yeah, no, it was, it's a mess. Don't get me started
2: on the Afghan government and the corruption and the money that was given to them.
0: Don't Absolutely. even, that's
2: another subject oh, yeah. for another day. I'm it. just it's gonna an ugly, ugly
0: situation. And we've wasted on a on lot that. of, a lot of money and a lot of lives, you know, our lives, 2000 plus U uh, S soldiers, But how many Afghanistan people? You know, hundreds of thousands, like 170,000 people in Afghanistan died. That doesn't get a lot of attention. Uh, I mean, our 2,500 is is certainly problematic, and we we want those you know men and women back. But you know, uh, it was uh, you know it was a it was a travesty. There was again war. What's it good for? Um, yeah, we should absolutely move on. But I did want to offer Doug any final thoughts.
1: Uh, Just a quick comment, a former Trump National Security Advisor, H.R. McMaster, condemned the Trump-Taliban deal and stated that Mike Pompeo signed a surrender agreement, just like Kimberly mentioned earlier. In a recent speech, I hate to even say his name, Trump said this will go down as one of the greatest military defeats of all time. It did not have to happen that way. This is not a withdrawal. That was... This was a total surrender, a surrender for no reason. Uh, Mr. Trump, you were the one who signed the deal. You know who he sounds like? Mitch McConnell. Yeah, it
0: was a pathetic, uh, pathetic display, of course.
2: I just want to say one thing before we get to uh, Charles Booker, which I know I'm excited for him to come on next. But in case my daughter is looking and listening to us, which she does from time to time, And I have not been able to really communicate with her. I just want to tell her, I am so proud of you and thank you for your service, not just for me and our family, but I want to tell you, thank you for your service for every American in this country. And we are proud of you. You are a Kentuckian born and bred and you are over there kicking butt. And we just want to say that we we love you and thank you.
0: Absolutely.
1: Uh,
0: absolutely, 100%. It's, you know, it's not the soldiers that failed this, right? It was the kind of political and the kind of complex built around it uh, to decide they do, you know, what the military is not great at nation building. Why in the world would they be right? That's not what that's not their job, right? But I think the things they do, they do very well. And we definitely appreciate their, their service. All right, so we're gonna, we're gonna move on now. Uh, and we are going to, uh, very excited to, to bring on the show, State Representative uh, Charles Booker, the man running to take down Rand Paul in 440 days, uh, former state representative, former Senate candidate, current Senate candidate, and a true blue dyed-in-the-wool progressive candidate, the likes of which Kentucky has never seen, is a proud supporter of the Green New Deal, Medicare for All, and of course, was promptly labeled uh, by the Kentucky GOP as a very scary socialist. Uh, But uh, Charles, welcome back to our live stream. Uh, Congrats on the brand new kiddo. How is your sleep, sir? Well, first of all, it's
4: good to be back with you all. Uh, And I want to echo the comments and everyone that's watching, if you have served My sister in law served in Afghanistan. We have a flag over our fireplace that she sent home to us. Thank you for your sacrifice. Um, I know you all had a a great healthy dialogue there. Just wanted to throw that in there. Um, As far as at home, there is no sleep. (laughs) I've I've just embraced that. You know, this is our third daughter. Um, It's the best thing in the world, Uh, but not very little sleep.
0: Third daughter, you are so so very outnumbered. Uh, oh as yeah. The father of two daughters, um, like you're you're toast. You are I toast. know who the
4: bosses are,
0: so I'm very clear. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, we we need to make sure you win, so you can be in charge of something. Uh, like that is because uh, that's not going to happen in your household. I'm sorry to say. But that was really exciting to see the kind of en- enthusiasm and the response. Um, you know, the last time you ran, your vision for our Commonwealth was often distilled to kind of helping communities who are hurting throughout the state, from the hood to the holler. That line, that caught fire, that vision, and now you even had an organization called Hood to the Holler. Uh, how are you? How are you sharing that vision this time around? How has your campaign evolved from your first time running statewide?
4: Yeah. Well, first of all, the the framing and this rallying cry of Hood to the Holler, from the hood to the holler, was really a declaration of saying that we have so much in common we may be in different parts of the map different parts of the commonwealth but we're family and if we all stand together and lean into those common bonds we can win we can uh, lead for big change we can take care of our families we can end poverty we can pull up the roots of racism we're unstoppable um it's really about love and hope and coming together and you know when i, I ran in the last cycle we were telling the story we were introducing the story and a lot of people didn't think it was possible. You know, I had folks that had voted for Trump that were organizing with me, folks that had never voted before that were organizing with us. And it was, we were showing that folks that are in urban and rural communities, black, white, and brown, can stand together. And then you saw the height of racial tension as Breonna Taylor's door was busted down. Um, and then this pandemic that's been crippling us. And so now in this campaign cycle, we have our strength with us people understand what this is. And so we're walking in lockstep and doing our organizing early, uh, which is really exciting. We're seeing support from all 120 counties and we're gonna prove that real change is possible in Kentucky, especially in Kentucky.
0: Well, that's fantastic. And I I do think that kind of the no off year approach and there's this, I'm like totally torn because I really think campaigns are too long but I also understand that, you know, you got to run in the sy- system that you have. And, I, you know, I'm all for like some law that says, no, really campaign season is three months out. And that's that's yeah. the only time you get to campaign because good God, we spent a lot of money. We spent a lot of time we, you know and you have to, to break through because people just don't pay attention. Uh, but it is certainly something that you, you you look at our election system, you wonder, like, is this really the best we could do? Um, yeah. And, I, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm proud of Democrats. I feel like we've done a really good job of figuring out grassroots fundraising. You know, we've been able to level the playing field because for the longest time, Republicans had such an advantage because they were able to get that kind of big dollar, you know, those policies align. <laughs> Their policies are like, hey, what is what do the big dollar corporate interests want? good, that's what we're for, right? So, and Democrats have, and I think you especially have done an amazing job of building that grassroots appeal all across the state, the state, I'm sure even across the nation, people are like excited about your campaign, your candidacy and the messaging, but you know, how, how is it going? You know, with 440 days to go, uh, yeah. are you gonna have the energy to, that it's gonna take to get across that finish line? Oh,
4: absolutely, absolutely. So look, I've been saying from the beginning, we're not going to just win. We're going to blow out Rand Paul because this is bigger than him. It was bigger than Mitch McConnell. This is my life's work. This is about us transforming Kentucky because we deserve better. No one should have to ration insulin. No one should have to go without food to take care of their children. Industries have left and never come back. Communities have been left behind. We've been getting screwed by these politicians. And, and I know you all have seen the news and talked about Rand Paul in the middle of this pandemic, trying to get stocks in Remdesivir, is his his wife and and them trying to profit off of this pandemic while he's saying, don't don't wear your mask, burn your mask, don't get a vaccine. And so what we've been doing now uh, is really telling the story about issues that Kentuckians are facing in a real way and saying that we finally need leadership that's gonna fight for us, not against us, not treat us like a step stool. And and it goes down to what's most important to you, what's pissing you off, you know? And and these these issues that we talk about, you know, again, make sure everyone has health care. You turn on your faucet, the water's clean. Your utility rates aren't crippling you. Your children can can get childcare because we are covering childcare and and, uh, preschool is universal. So you're not blocking young families from getting on their feet. We're getting rid of college student debt because I was the first in my family to go to college. Both my parents didn't graduate high school. And for a lot of folks, where you come from and how much money you have in your pocket in a lot of ways, limits how far you can go. And that shouldn't be because we're brilliant in Kentucky. And by telling that story, we're seeing people that are fired up, man. And I'm so inspired by it. And so our, my vision is from the hood to the holler, we can stand together and lead for a new future in Kentucky. And I'm calling that a Kentucky New Deal. We're going to roll that out more in earnest of this campaign really soon. But it's really this broader vision that we can all rally together and fight back and while we're dealing with COVID now, trying to get through this, we have
0: to come together. We have to. 100%. I'm so, so glad you mentioned uh, the fact that Rand Paul is trying to, you know, make money off people going to the hospital. I think the fact that he and his wife, like, bought stock, first time in 10 years, they bought a, an actual stock, and it just happened to be after he got a, you know, a, a, a briefing that average ears did not get about how bad COVID was going to be. Uh, and he invested in the company that actually ensures that, you know, people can survive co- getting COVID, right? And he's the guy who's saying, you shouldn't wear a mask. Uh, you know, look, I am not, you know, an FBI investigator or an FEC investigator. Like This just stinks to high heaven. And I hope he's uh, held accountable. Uh, but I hope folks uh, also see we've got a petition out there right now we're asking the Kentucky Board of Medical Licensure. That is, in fact, what it's called. That's the thing the Kentucky Board of Medical Licensure uh, to investigate his statements and make sure that he's held accountable for his unethical medical advice of don't wear a mask during a goddamn pandemic. Uh, yeah. So I think we got, uh, you also touched on voting there, which I think is clearly really important. I think we got Doug queued up to ask a really important story, a question about voting.
1: Okay. Sure. So glad to have you here, Charles. <laughs> Uh, That's actually my first name, too. So we have something in common. It's a good name. (laughs) I agree. Do you have any more hot takes on, excuse me, uh, the House passed the John Lewis Voting Rights Act yesterday, but despite multiple efforts to pass that and the For the People Act to protect the right to vote in the Senate, the filibuster wielded by the evil emperor Mitch McConnell has the effort effectively bottled up How do you think you could help move Biden's agenda past Mitch's filibuster-fueled obstruction?
4: You know, it's really, um, it's frustrating. That's not a good enough word. um, To see this tool, the filibuster, which, you know, folks call it a relic of Jim Crow. I agree with that. Um, It's been used to halt um, any efforts that would mean that we fight for greater equity Um, It has not been used to bring bipartisanship, quite the opposite actually. And and in this moment where we saw an insurrection on the seat of democracy in our country, lives were lost, men and women in uniform who stepped up to protect the institution of our democracy, have still been suffering, that we are seeing, you know, this constant uh, attack and undermining on the ability to be heard at the ballot box and to have trust in our democratic process. And um, I, I stood up on the House floor a couple of years back as a state representative and shared a story about my granddad. Uh, he told me stories when I was little. I never thought I'd be telling them to the world or to you, uh, but he told me stories about having to guess the number of beans in a jar. So he's from Mississippi and, you know, he, he wasn't able to do it at times, he couldn't vote. And so our, our history is very real and we need to protect the right for everyone to be heard at the ballot box. Kentucky has been one of the most disenfranchised states in the country. So it is particularly hard to be heard here. And when you see poverty that's generational, families that are suffering, and we don't have a voice to change it, that ain't right. You know, and and the the John Lewis uh, legislation, uh, the Florida People Act, we need public finance. We gotta get this big money out of these campaigns so that people can finally be heard. And I'm gonna fight for that. And if I'm in, when I'm in the Senate, you know how I'm gonna vote. But before that, we're mobilizing people. So we're launching statewide organizing in the campaign. So you know, within the next couple of weeks, you will see, we're gonna be having folks tell stories about what it means to be heard at the ballot box. And we're gonna be registering folks, especially those who got the rights restored from Governor Bashir's executive order. There's still a lot of them that don't know. So we're gonna be pushing to put pressure on our legislators. That includes folks like Joe Manchin, uh, Kristen Sinema, who, seem to think that the filibuster's fine for them, Uh, we're going to fight like hell. Then when I get up there, you know how I'm going to work for you.
1: I'm so glad to hear that. I I know in Kentucky, um, if we have 45% of the people that vote, then a candidate wins about 23%. That candidate takes that victory, quote-unquote victory, and says, well, I'm going to do what the people want. He's going to do, he or she's going to do what 23% of the people want, Right. And the other 77% of the people are not represented. So anything that can be done to increase voting and get more people to vote is, has got to be good for everybody.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great point, Doug. Good question. Uh, Kimberly, do you have a question uh, for Charles?
2: I sure do. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing well. It's good to see
2: you. Good to see you, the last time I saw you and talked to you was at Fancy Vax. Um, You know, tell me what are your thoughts as Rand Paul continues to do what he does best and that's called lying uh, about the COVID and you know, this thing where he's always attacking, um, I'm gonna call him the honorable Dr. Fauci because he's been through so much. And the misinformation that spewed all the time through pundits like Sean Hannity and Carlson Tucker, uh, Newsmax Channel, One American News, and of course, um, the number one thing for Rand Paul people is Fox News. How can we dispel that? What what do we do with a, a Rand Paul?
4: You know, this speaks to the power of organizing. You know, as as frustrated as we are about the lies that are lifted up, we got to put the truth out there. We have to talk to our family, our friends, uh, the folks that we we go to school with, the church with, our neighbors. We have to have those conversations and we have to keep doing it. One thing that I've learned over the years and working in every level of government, especially at the local level, is the folks that call the office the most, the folks that make the most noise, those are the ones that get listened to. Now, it may not be that many folks, but if they raise enough sand, you're going to respond to them. Now, what I believe in my heart is that there are more of us that want to take care of our families, that want to be safe, that want to get this pandemic out of the way so that we can be okay. I believe there's more of us than those who want to weaponize conspiracies and want to assault fear. So we got to do the work. And, you know, one thing I'm leading by example in is going to places across Kentucky and in venues. I'm gonna go on Fox News. I'm gonna go everywhere to tell the truth because I love the people of Kentucky. That's something we don't hear from our elected officials enough, folks that actually give a damn about us. And so by organizing around the truth and training folks on how to talk to one another and giving them the tools to do it and even incentivizing and and putting money in folks' pockets. If you think about what happened in Georgia in the runoffs, they were paying folks to organize and helping to create jobs for folks to just talk to their family and friends about voting. Let's do that in Kentucky from the beginning. And, you know, we'll, we'll beat them. We will, we don't have a choice.
2: I appreciate you saying that. I remember that I asked you at Fancy Vax and uh, at the time when I saw you, I was so very, very ill, but it meant a lot to me. I had just gotten over COVID although I was fully vaccinated since uh, May 4th and I contracted it from someone that was fully vaccinated. So the, this misinformation has to stop, but I did ask you a question as far as just right here, where I am, yeah. and where your home is in Jefferson County, that there's just a 20% um rate of African-Americans that are vaccinated, and this trend seems to go all across our country. Um, What can, you know, someone like myself who is African-American, what more can we do? And also collectively as a group, what more can we do to get our most marginalized out there to get um, vaccinated?
4: Well, you know, one thing that I've seen, and I know you've seen it, too, that um, now in the news, we hear about the conspiracies. Uh, we hear about the folks that are you know, saying just really um, outrageous and very concerning things. Uh, but a lot of folks just don't know. There are still a lot of people that don't know what's going on. They, they have a reason. They are justified in not trusting what's happening in general. There's a lot of reason I trust government overall. That's why I'm running. Because we need people in there that actually understand the struggle that have gone through some things that are going to fight for us so we have to empathize with folks that are afraid but we still have to show up and speak the truth for them so you are using this platform is helping folks Um, i'm going to convene some uh, physicians to answer questions and dispel myths Um, you know we have to go out into the community we got to go to folks and just let them know the information that is available and cut through the noise and the lies, and we have to keep doing it. And that's the big thing. We can't just do it one time and and hope that they're gonna be okay. And we can't do what the Republicans in leadership in the state legislature are saying, well, just have a free pizza party. Look, this is too serious. Um, One of the biggest things that we needed now is relief for folks who are on the front lines that have had to keep working because they couldn't afford to stay home. They had to take care of their family. Unemployment was at a historic level uh, in Kentucky. Businesses have been shuttered because of this thing. We need that investment, the folks are losing their homes. All of this stuff is happening and at the federal level, we have the chance to put relief on the ground, invest in infrastructure, and our senators are voting against it. And so I need our folks to know our power. While we're fighting on the ground, we need folks that are in Washington that are gonna fight for us. But in in, in the meantime and within all that, Thank you for what you all do. Thank you for always speaking the truth. It's never in vain. And I'm gonna use my platform and my voice to join with you to do it.
0: That's great, thanks so much, Charles. I think we have one last uh, question from Ken.
4: Hey, uh, Charles,
3: I don't think we've met before, but I'm not supposed to tell people who I voted for, but I did vote for you at least one time in my life. So I I appreciate uh, that you run on a progressive platform. Thank and I, <laughs> I really do. I, I appreciate uh, progressive politics. Hence, that's why we do this show. But one of the things I'm really concerned about is, uh, you know, elected politicians and media outlets and, and uh, different, you know, even people posting on, you know, stuff on the Internet, uh, calling uh, you and Democrats like socialist, liberal extremists. Demons yeah. and 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 worse and and one of the things uh, that that I think really hurt uh, McGrath when she ran is they called her uh, and and this was never embraced by her campaign a Trump loving Democrat and I don't think there's any risk of anyone calling you that <laughs> so so <laughs> at, at, at that at the very least uh, I feel like uh, is good but you know Tucker Carlson tonight gets uh, over 4 million viewers, uh, and, and pushes Fox news to the number one news, uh, uh broadcasting site and, and, and this stuff like pizza gate and the insurrection and, and all of this stuff just takes off like wildfire. Uh, the most shared, uh, content on the internet is, uh, often a lie. So right. so my question to you, I, I know it's a very long winded opening up, but is it possible to dispel these false false accusations and blatant spinning behind things like Black Lives Matter, uh, the Green New Deal, Afghanistan and so far is 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 all fair in politics or uh, should there be accountability for for uh our representatives. What does accountability mean to you?
4: Yeah, well, you know, in, in this moment in time, there seems to be very little accountability in politics. It seems to be the case that anything goes and, and it's costing lives and it's undermining our pursuits of democracy. We haven't fully realized democracy. We're still trying to do that. And all of these lies that go unchecked, um, folks that are running for office now, chasing the boogeyman, you know, I've. I, I look at Rand Paul as almost like Scooby-Doo. He's, he's chasing for this boogeyman all the time to keep people afraid, to keep us fighting amongst ourselves. And, and at the end of the day, you take the mask off as him, they're destroying us. you know. And, and I believe that accountability has to start with the democratic process for us, uh, which means we need to get him out of there. And we need to have folks that are in these positions of authority, local, state, and federal level, that are gonna make sure that we are not only um, having leaders that are accountable to us, but that our laws reflect justice and humanity. Uh, and and look, I get called a lot of things. You know, Grandpa um, put an email out right after I launched and called me a, a racial left candidate. I, I look, I'm not gonna give him the excuse to say that, that was a slip up. I, what in the world is a racial left? And and they call me radical. I look, I don't care what people call me. I care about the people of Kentucky. And what I think we need to see are folks that are gonna stand up, not be afraid of our position, not be afraid of what we, we believe in, but still show love and still lead with unity to say we can speak the truth. From the hood to the holler, that message for me, I wanna see more folks running for office, school board, local, state and federal level, regular folks that never thought their voice mattered. I need them to know they matter. And so that's why this campaign is important. We're building infrastructure. And that's ultimately how we'll get that accountability. My daughter's name is Justice, my third daughter. I need justice to mean something. And that's what I'm fighting for. And we are going to win. And we're going to make that happen.
0: Well, that, that's a fantastic wrap-up. Any final thoughts, anything you want to leave our audience with? Um, I know that we've, uh, you've been incredibly generous with your time, and we appreciate that, uh, but we have another story we need to cover before we move on out for the night. So anything you want to say to, to just uh, fire up the troops one, uh, one last chance uh, before we uh, head off?
4: Yeah, you know, I want to tell everyone, bet on Kentucky. There's a lot of cynicism. A lot of folks doubt the change is possible. I believe in us. I know what we can do. Let's prove the doubt is wrong. And go to charlesbooker.org, sign up to get involved with me. We're going to organize across Kentucky. Of course we'll beat Grandpa, but we're going to do so much more than that. This is for the people. Let's do it.
0: Awesome. Awesome. I think that, you know, there's a lot of people who are listening, a lot of people who are getting fired up. And yeah, 440 days to go, people. Let us make this happen, huh? That's right. Uh, thank you so much, Charles. Have a great, uh, great evening. And I hope you find some chance to get some rest there with your three daughters. <laughs> I will do
4: my best. Thank you all. <laughs> all
0: right. Take care. All right. So we're going to, uh, thanks again to, uh, to, to Charles Booker who is running uh, an impressive campaign uh, to take on Rand Paul, who of course, you know, if you watched the show before, you know, there's not a lot, a lot of love lost uh, yeah, about can't. Rand Paul. Not a big fan of Rand Paul over here at Kernels of Truth. Uh, but of course, if if Rand Paul wants to come on and talk about why Charles Booker's wrong or why we're wrong and why he's really a stand-up great guy and cares about the all the people of Kentucky, he is welcome to come on our show. Can,
3: can you imagine? Can can I ask Rand Paul a question? Because I would like to ask Rand Paul a
0: question. Can't be about his hair. He's touchy. I got some questions. <laughs> I so guess we have some questions. Uh, all right, so we're gonna get back to news of the week. We have one final story about uh, one of our favorite issues here, Mitch-pocracy, uh, and how how hypocritical Mitch McConnell can be. Uh, Kimberly, you got, it? you got a story for us? If you do, we can't Watch, hear I you. Do. Oh, there you go. All right, now we can hear you. <laughs>
2: Of course I do. I was so much into what a uh, former state representative Charles Booker was saying. I did not actually pull my story up, but I can do that right now. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you guys could go ahead on and talk amongst yourselves as I look it up. On my oh, sure. Phone. Yeah, I've been like sharing a lot. You know, I've been just sharing, sharing, sharing.
0: Yeah, yeah, sharing a lot. I appreciate I that. I feel like
3: this has to do with, uh, you know, the opioid crisis, which has been an epidemic uh, here in Kentucky, uh, and it's just, uh, it's devastating. I mean, I, 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 I feel like that. There's more homeless people uh, walking our streets since since the pandemic has happened because of of the tragedy that's, that's going on with this. And I, 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 you know, it's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable that, that this stuff continues. I, I, I felt like, uh, cocaine Mitch takes credit, deserves none, uh, for getting us money to combat the opioid crisis here in Kentucky.
0: No, right. I think it's, uh, it, it's constantly astounding how Republicans are willing to claim credit for anything that people like that the government does uh, and then just line up to vilify everything else, right? Anything that the resources are bringing in, they're more than happy to, to take credit for it. Uh, and you know, there's a lot of things the government's doing right now. The American Rescue Plan was a historic investment in America to help us get through the pandemic. Um, and you know it's it's pretty confounding to watch uh, watch what's happening. Uh, you know, and Kimberly, I don't know uh, if you're you're ready to kind of step in here, or if you'd like me to just describe a little bit of, of what we're uh, what we're dealing with.
2: Yes, actually, we're going to be talking about my other favorite subject because it seems like. Everybody's gotten a little soft on him here lately, and that would be Mitch McConnell and all of the Mitch Procracy. Did I say that right, Ken? Mitch Procracy.
3: Yes, Mitch, Mitch-pocrisy.
2: Mitch-pocrisy. That's right. Mm-hmm. I like that. Because of the simple, fa- <laughs> simple fact that the Senate minority leader, which is Mitch McConnell, of course, he's always doing something that seems like it's good, but it turns left, right? And so... He didn't vote for the Democrats' uh, American Rescue Plan, but he did say Thursday that it creates opportunities for Kentucky to strengthen our efforts to help people recover from addiction. He said that we would have an enormous amount of money coming into the 1.9 trillion relief package, as well as uh, the $2 trillion coronavirus aid relief and economic security. Called Cares. Okay. So um, he personally went through Congress last year and, you know, he was saying that as he thinks of the priorities to use the money, he can't think of anything more important than addiction recovery. Well, we all believe in Mitch for that because Kentucky is at the top of the list as far as opioid use and overdoses, trending worse than the whole United States. So yes, that is, that's a very good thing to say. So he went to the Crown Recovery Center in Washington County, right here in Kentucky. And he and that guy, that Kentucky uh, Attorney General, uh, Daniel Cameron had just met with people at a recovery center And discussed how they were going to pursue this funding that's freed up now. And, you know, they're going to do something as far as helping people. But he doesn't really know how much federal money that Kentucky's going to be able to get for uh, addicted individuals in our state. And he's saying that it's a one time opportunity. But there are ways for Mitch McConnell to actually get this money. Number one, he is the Senate minority leader. And then number two, he, has, he still has some power, guys. He still has some power. So he's also talking about, you know, we should, Cameron, I don't believe anything he says. I don't believe anything till I see the checks. And they've been cashed. That's how I I believe in it. Uh, Cameron and Mitch McConnell were talking about the $460 million for a huge multi-state settlement that's in the works. uh, For like big companies, big pharma, like Johnson & Johnson. You know, all of these big companies that had to give over billions of dollars to the opioid crisis because they lied. They said that they told doctors, this is going to change the game. And doctors unknowingly got their patients addicted to these opioids. So, you know, Mitch, he's saying that he is so, you know, excited about this. And he's saying that they're going to be opening up even more recovery centers in Kentucky all of this that he's talking about, it sounds wonderful. It sounds deliciously, you know, perfecto. But when it comes to Mitch McConnell paired with Attorney General Dan- Daniel Cameron, uh, I think I'm just going to have to wait and see. What do you guys think, Aaron?
0: Yeah, I mean, sounds good, but I don't trust anything that comes out of those guys' uh, mouth for sure. But you know, again, it's just it's just that crazy, you know, willingness to stand up and say, "Hey, we're going to spend these federal dollars on this really important issue," and not, you know, not mention that every single Republican voted against the source of those dollars. Like it was up to Mitch, zero dollars would be going. From these federal efforts uh, into those local projects because they all voted against it so you know i, I it just it, it makes me sick watching them you know scheme uh to do uh you know ostensibly good things for our state with federal dollars that they had had they had their way would not exist uh, again mitch hypocrisy people and uh, i do want to give a quick uh credit to the mitch Pocrisy term coined by, I believe, our organizing chair, Kid O'Connor. Uh, so oh, I wanted to make sure they got the proper shout out and accolades for coining the term Mitch-pocracy. Uh, all right, uh, Doug, anything you want to add on the, on the issue?
1: Uh, yes, I think anybody who has watched this show knows that I have a special love for Mitch McConnell. Um, <laughs> anyway, that. so I, yes, I, yes, I have some comments. He's been our senator for Is it 36 years going on, whatever? And he's famous for voting against something that is good for Kentucky in order to get monetary support from corporations. Then he'll come home to Kentucky to tell us again what a great job he is doing for us due to the passage of a bill that he advocated against and voted against. Kentucky is the fourth poorest state in the United States. Minimum wage is $7.25. The federal poverty level computes to about $16.13 per hour. And Kentucky has over 700,000 people who are at or below the poverty level. Don't you think that also affects the, the addiction, the addiction recovery would raising the minimum wage and providing funding to stimulate local economic uh relief wouldn't all that help and he's been the senior senator in the united states senate and he hasn't brought that stuff to us he just comes around every now and then and says what a great job he's doing and here's some money
0: you wait, you want Mitch McConnell to raise the minimum wage? Is that what you're mentioning? Is that your idea? That's that's crazy talk that because that would be good for people, that would you know uh, lift a lot of folks up. Yeah, no, we especially now like we love to talk about the frontline workers, you know, the people are there forced to deal with COVID kind of firsthand. No one gave them a raise, you know, no one's talking about oh, yeah, the frontline workers because you got a job that is just can't be done remotely, a job you have to be there in person, they're quite frequently low paid jobs and what's Mitch want to do about it he just wants to you know, give you a high five thanks for thanks for helping us get through the pan- pandemic uh, you know yes there was some appreciation for Mitch McConnell from this broadcast recently because he was in fact using his own campaign funds to run ads telling people to get vaccinated but that's you know kind of the bare minimum really um, he wasn't calling out the rest of the Republicans who were you know muddying the waters. Rand Paul, who's saying, "Oh yeah, no, there's no proof that I should get a shot because I've already had COVID." Remember when I tried to expose half the Senate? <laughs> All those old, those eighty-year-olds I was swimming with in the pool when I had COVID, and I knew I was at risk. Uh, yeah, so that's you know not true, right? The the studies show that you, actually you should get a, a vaccination if you've had COVID. Uh, it helps you uh, survive it. So yeah, but you know, sure, Mitch has done a few things that are from time to time not as bad as most Republicans. Uh, that's pretty much all we can say about that guy. But at any rate, we probably won't ever have to deal with him in an election because he's probably going to die in office. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> uh, at yeah, any rate, it's, uh, I we should move on. You, I think who, we've got some. say mix-up. who's to
3: even say, I mean, What's but that? how does co- co- cocaine Mitch like he embraces this? This is a a topic that he embraces. How how in the world Can a guy named cocaine mitch who didn't uh vote for the american rescue plan uh, like like how is he even good to fight uh any kind of drug war when he embraces that uh concept put on he he made t-shirts
1: as far as using his campaign money he's too old to run again and it's like you said he probably is going to die in in office i think one of us on our committee has predicted made a prediction about that but um you know he doesn't need his campaign money now because he's not gonna run again
0: you know and also he's really good at making it so if he needs if he needs more if he is alive you know uh in five years or whatever uh he'll probably he he can find some more how does his hand look it doesn't look as black as it once did uh, as he's gotten some pretty serious magic, you know, uh, to like uh, fix his, you know, because when it happened to Dumbledore, he died. It was, you know, it was inevitable. But uh, apparently that black magic that Mitch uses is more powerful than Dumbledore's good magic. All right. So we've gone off the deep end. We're going to move on to the action events calendar, which I believe our friend Kimberly is going to share with us.
2: Thank you so much, Erin. And in our action events calendar, Progress Kentucky has joined the Kentucky Voting Rights Coalition, a loose or association of organizations committed to ensuring that previously incarcerated people reclaim their right to vote and want more citizens across our Commonwealth registered and voting in every election. They have some events coming up to put these goals into action and you can find out more about their efforts online. So uh, in Douglas Park concert in Lexington on this weekend. Uh, No, actually, that's tomorrow, the 26th. I'm living a week behind everybody. Seriously, it's like I've lost a week in time. I don't know where it went. But tomorrow at 630, uh, they're going to have a voter registration table. Then at Northern Kentucky University, voter registration table will be August the 30th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. The Grassroots Lobbying for Voter Rights webinar is going to be August the 31st from 7 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. And then the voter registration table at Kroger in Louisville, which is going to be on September the 2nd at 5.30. So you can find all of these events if you go to www.mobilize.us and then you can put forward slash KFTC forward slash events so you can look those up for yourself and, and go it's in, and the, the, it's, in the,
3: it's in our uh the link is in the Yes, and the
2: link is in uh, up there on the screen for you right now. So uh, have your pen and paper. You know when it's my turn, I'm going to have some great information for you. So uh, Progress Kentucky has launched a petition to urge the Kentucky Board of Medical Licensure to investigate what I believe to be unethical medical advice from Dr. Rand Paul. If you're interested in what we have to say about that, you can find it online right there. Also coming up is Lex Do This. Lex Do This is a campaign to get the city of Lexington and surrounding communities vaccinated. If you would like to join other community members for a neighborhood canvas, more information can be found right there on the screen on the Lex Beat COVID. So I wanna let you all know, I'm very, very excited about next week. Uh, Next week on the Kernels of Truth, we're gonna be joined by Mr. Bill Londergrim, the president of the Kentucky's AFL-CIO to discuss the state of the workers' movement in Kentucky and labor's expectations for the PRO Act, their current legislative priority in Washington, DC right now. Progress Kentucky is a nonprofit organization Registered with the Kentucky Secretary of State, organized as a 501c4, is affiliated with the Indivisible Project and the Commonwealth Alliance Voter Engagement, otherwise known as K. Also, Progress Kentucky's goal is to educate, organize, increase voter turnout, and advance a progressive agenda through civic engagement. More information can be found at ProgressKentucky.org. You can go on that website also to learn how you can volunteer and support our ongoing efforts. Production services and media content are provided by Couchfire Media. Couchfire Media ignites multi-camera, live stream, fiction narrative, non-fiction educational, informative animation, and commercial video production content. More information about Couchfire Media can be found at couchfiremedia.com. And also, I would be remiss if I didn't let everybody know that uh, the Jones Report, you can find us on the Jones Report radio program. Right now, we are restructuring and doing some great things to prepare ourselves for the fall season. So next week, I will be able to tell you exactly who we may have on and what we'll be doing. But otherwise, uh, my, my co-host always, uh, my good friend Betsy Foster, a magnificent force in the political arena. Also, Mike Breuer and uh, our production and producer, Mr. Ken Howe. Know you guys love him. And of course, yours truly, Kimberly Cecil Jones. The music that you hear comes from the geniusness of Mr. Nate Orshan. You can find more information and listen to his music. I suggest that you do. And you can find him at natosongs.com. And that's N-A-T-O songs.com. So uh, I'd also like to say this to you. This is WLXU 93.9 LPFM Radio Lex Lexington, the voice of the people. The views expressed on Progress Kentucky's Kernels of Truth and our guests are not necessarily the views of Radio Lex or its board of directors. The views expressed on Progress Kentucky's Kernels of Truth are our own. If you miss our weekly show on Radio Lex, don't worry. Live video cast content and source links can be found on the Facebook and YouTube channels. Audio podcasts are available, yes they are, on Apple, Google, Spotify, and others by searching Progress Kentucky. Links to all of our media platforms can be found right there. Once again, find all that you need on ProgressKentucky.org. And as we move towards this week, and we think about everything that's going on with the Delta variant, the Lambda variant possibly coming through, West Nile happening with the mosquitoes in the state of Kentucky. Don't fear. Fear breeds more fear. Fear breeds more contempt. Fear breeds more chaos. Wouldn't it be better to just be nice to someone Wouldn't it be better just to make someone smile? Because the good things you do for others will come back on you. And I like to say it was great having Charles Booker here. Always much love to the best host ever. Well, running neck and neck with me, Mr. Aaron Viles. Mr. Doug Fresh, who I affectionately call Dougie Fresh because his information is always fresh and truthful. Our producer and production director, Mr. Ken Howe, and Annabelle, and Nate, and all the people that comprise Colonels of Truth and Progress Kentucky. And guess what? you're amazing. We'll see you you here.
3: You're amazing, Kimberly.
2: Same back channel, 7 p.m. Bill Lundgren, you gotta watch. We'll see you then. Have a good week.